I would love to say to anyone who is in radio or just got furloughed out, don't give up hope because your skills transfer in so many incredible other industries. I think anybody in radio, there's just so many other ways for you to earn money. So you can still do the thing that brought you to radio that you love. And you can also do these other things that maybe can help make up where the money maybe isn't so great anymore. Welcome to Brand With On Demand, your guide to rebooting radio. My challenge with radio is I feel like it doesn't necessarily have a good user experience. The UX is missing. And I think radio has had trouble with allowing personalities to become bigger than life brands that can be bigger than the radio station. Brandwith On Demand, rebooting radio with a different take on all radio can be. Now your guides through the media morphosis, David Martin, and author of the book Brandwith, media branding coach, Kipper McGee. They're married, work together, and haven't killed each other yet. Well, so far, that's the news. When Gene and Julie Gates got married in the middle of Grand Central Terminal, the New York Times covered it. When Oprah heard about them, she booked them on her TV show. Gene and Julie host a award-winning American radio show in markets like Raleigh, Atlanta, San Francisco, L.A., and for eight years, took over for the legendary Ron Chapman at KVIL in Dallas. The NAB awarded them a Marconi, and today, they're here to talk about life after radio. Brand with On Demand is proud to welcome Gene and Julie Gates. Hey, Kipper. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having us on, guys. Good to be here. We are so glad to have you. So question number one is after that impressive run that Dave talked about at some leading radio stations, can you tell us about what you're doing right now? Sure. Um, I think a lot of people wonder what happened, where'd they go? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give you a quick update on what happened. In 2016, our radio contract ended and we had a family meeting with our emerging middle schooler. And we said, okay, this is radio. We will have to relocate to get our next radio job. As a family, are we willing to move or do we want to stay here in one city where you can go through middle school and high school in the same place? And so we had a big family meeting and we all concluded it would be in the best interest for our family to hunker down and let our kid get through school before Jean and I go off on some other crazy adventure and move again. So we decided to stay here in the Raleigh Triangle area. And we've been having a good time, but we were under a one-year non-compete and couldn't jump back into radio, even though we had some really exciting interest across town. So we were forced to pivot and we didn't really want to, but it was the right thing to do for our family. Jean? So this kind of led to us figuring out, well, if not radio, then... Then what? So we looked at some radio choices and we didn't really find something that seemed like a great fit, right? So um, I started doing consulting for podcasting and now I have a company called Podcast Architecture. So I'm creating uh, or consulting or co-hosting podcasts for brands. So I work with like a private equity group. I work with Ford. I work with Upwork, which is a freelance um, platform. I host their uh, uh, podcast for them. And then I also just coach other people on communications uh, and uh, through podcasting or otherwise. And then I also have a consulting firm where I work with sales, marketing, and communications for B2B and B2C products. Julie went to work for the man. <laughs> yeah, I, went and got a, I got a real job. And that was so terrifying because after doing morning drive as long as we had, I was like, can I really work from nine to five somewhere? I was very freaked out about the hours. But um, I made the leap to tech where I am now. And today I'm director of communications and public policy for a company that's a part of the innovation arm of Ford Motor Company. 
thrilling, exciting, and interesting to be on the leading edge of what is going on with technology. Obviously, due to consolidation, cutbacks, and syndication, there are a lot of talented radio alums who simply don't have a seat at the radio table right now. What do you find to be some of the skills you used in radio, both on air and off, that you find beneficial today? I would love to say to anyone who is in radio or just got furloughed out, there's don't, don't give up hope because your skills transfer in so many incredible other industries. For me, I first moved into a marketing role and then I moved into communications. Communications is so much fun. It takes every piece of what you learned in radio and it puts it into another job. It just makes you more alive. You're trying something new. Maybe radio will present other opportunities for us all to return in new forms someday. But in the meantime, you can use your skills for doing publicity stunts and turn them into PR. You can change your public speaking skills into being a company spokesperson or presenting and doing speaking ops. You can take those writing skills, those communication skills, and turn them into content curation and creation, writing blogs, press releases, commercial testimonial copy. That's all marketing and PR. You literally can just walk in the door at a PR or comms job and do a lot of what you were doing in radio. I find a lot of people that uh, we've uh, that we've worked with are just so impressed with um, the training that you get through radio. So if you're, you know, there's so many different things that you learn in radio. You learn how to really be great at marketing because at the end of the day, a lot of times what separates the popularity of one station over another, if they're in similar format, is their marketing approach. What are they doing differently to create a brand uh, that people are drawn to and that people love? And those skills are transferable uh, everywhere. Things like audience research, um, how to communicate with an audience, how to elicit a response, how to get engagement. These are all things that people learn how to do really, really well in radio. And I think they're really transferable into uh, into other roles outside of radio. And you know what, Gene? No one has more hustle than people who came from radio. If you're willing to get up at 3 a.m. to go to work and use your career to lift the spirits and entertain your community, you will get hired elsewhere. There are other companies who will be delighted to have you. That makes a lot of sense. Now, now, let me ask you a question about using those skills for people that are still doing radio. What do you see as the potential for them doing side hacks or you know, having a side hustle that could be either in preparation of moving away from radio at some point or just to supplement it as the payrolls seem to get smaller? I got to tell you, one of the clients that I work with is a company called Upwork. And they are basically like a dating firm <laughs> for people that are freelancers or consultants, connecting them with companies. Uh, and I have interviewed several people for their company podcast who are making 400000 a year uh, to a million dollars a year. And in many cases, they're doing that somewhat part time. So they have a nine to five a lot of times and they start this as a side hustle and the side hustle continues to grow. And so I think anybody in radio, that's the thing that's great is there's so many ways, assuming that your employer is fine with it. Uh, there's just so many other ways for you to earn uh, money. So you can still do the thing that brought you to radio that you love. And you can also do these other things that maybe can help make up where, where the money maybe isn't so great anymore. Mm -hmm. That helps you as an employee. And it, it really helps your boss as well, because like our first job, I was in Modesto, California. And Julie and I, we shared one salary because that's all they had. Yeah. So we, we were doing, what, how many, five? I think at one point we were doing five, six, seven. Eight, eight, eight shows a week. Eight shows a week. Wow. Um, and, uh, and those were all uh, live shows. We did eight live shows a week. 
And we just went out and we hustled. We found sponsors. We found people that were going to buy advertising. We found people that wanted to pay us testimonial fees, talent fees. And uh, we had over twice our earnings from things other than our regular wage. Do you guys listen to radio stations much? And if so, how is radio serving you guys as consumers personally? Oh, that's such a tough question, Kipper, because no one loves this business more than we do. This industry is amazing, filled with brilliant, bright people. My challenge with radio is I feel like it doesn't necessarily have a good user experience. The UX is missing. When you, yeah. when you're, okay. when you jump in your car and you flip on radio, I hate that we're all playing that stupid PPM game where the stop sets are all at the same time. It's just not a good experience for a user. Right. And the stop sets are, there's too many stop sets. It's just tricky with the competition of other audio deliverable formats. Um, all the other platforms out there are taking the best of what we do in radio and they're pouring gas on it. We need mm -hmm. to figure out the stop set issue. And the other thing I think we all know is we're no longer in mass media. Right. right. So I think the more specific and the more focused you can be, then the easier it is to develop a passionate following by people who love that brand, whatever the brand is. And I think um, the one thing I think radio has had trouble with is allowing personalities to become bigger than life brands that can be bigger than the radio station. So if you have four of those on a day, then basically you're going to be bringing people to the device because at the end of the day, it's just a device, right? But like Julie said, the UX is not great, right? I mean, right. it's it's not on demand. You come in the middle of something. You don't know what it is. The music a lot of times is repetitive. It's not a great place for music because there's just so many other platforms that do it better. So what's left is what's between the music and trying to find a way to stay relevant. And I think for stations that do that, then your usage is going to be relevant. And I would say NPR is a great example of stations we used to laugh at 20 years ago, right? I mean, right. NPR was something we made fun of 20 years ago. And now it gets almost all of my radio usage. I think they've done such a great job of branding great shows and having great content. Uh, and it's really simple and easy to use, whether it's in the car, on my app, it's I can call it up on Alexa. It, I mean, it's available to me anywhere uh, that I am. And, and it's bite-sized, yeah, it's bite-sized shareable content. That's one of my favorite things is when I do consume an NPR program, I know that as soon as I've heard that interview, I can go on their website and I can find the audio of that interview and I can share it with my friends. Right. Yeah, we had one of their advisors uh, on a couple episodes ago, Jeff Rowe, and one of the things was back 20 years ago, they were already researching with the research group who the big radio companies were also using next at the time. Now they're not. NPR still is. And they are constantly looking at how can we make this better for our listeners? How can we make it more part of their life? How can we make it available on demand, but still branded to us? And yeah, I think they're doing a really good job on so many levels right now that the commercial radio really could stand to learn a lot from what they're doing. You know, Kipper, one of the things that I love about radio, and I, I read it all the time when I'm on my favorite radio blogs, it's the local piece. And Gene and I keep joking that we should start a local podcast for our neighborhood because I want to know what's going on where I live. Mm -hmm. And we're not really, we're not getting that hyper local in, in a lot of other places. And I think radio can still really deliver that when you have someone who's on in your community telling what's going on that weekend in your town and why, why there's a big traffic problem and what's going on with the weather. That, that's just, you feel like you're a part of the fabric of something. Yep. And if you hear conversations of callers who are also 
experiencing the same thing, there's a connection there and you feel like a part of something important. Would you be open to returning to radio at this point? If so, what would be some of the conditions for you to seriously consider it? What red flags would you be looking for? I think our one of our favorite general managers, probably favorite one, period, was Brenda Adrians. And she was our first trip through Dallas. Um, and she was also, uh, you know, ran Kiss FM. She's the one who put Kid Craddock in the mornings. And I mean, she, she has a, a, a long list of pretty amazing accomplishments. And what Brenda was really brilliant about is having a really intentional plan and a brand and uh, and lots of research. So we it's the only radio station we worked at uh, with, well, a little bit in Atlanta, um, but research was very important to Brenda and also to John Cook, the program director or ops manager. And so we went to all of the research um, uh, auditoriums, focus groups. We went to all of them. And, uh, and it, it just, you learn so much sitting with an audience in real time, learning about the station, the show, their habits. Um, and you see this happen all the time with things like movies, where they cut a movie, they, they show it to an audience, uh, they find out what works, they find out what doesn't work, they go back, they recut the movie, they come back again, and now you've got a super hit. And I think the more the radio does that, the better it will be so that the talent and the management are all focusing on the exact same North Star. And there's never any question about what you're trying to achieve. So if you two were to go back into a regular daily morning show today or tomorrow, two years from now, whatever, would you consider doing anything differently? And if so, what would it be? One thing I want, and and I think this really ties into where we are today as a nation, I think we finally are accepting that there have been problems with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that is a drum that Gene and I were beating for many years. And we would say, look at the Nielsen of this market and look at the, the population of who lives here. Can we please represent all the voices and faces and experiences of the people who live here? And I just feel like to survive today, we need to be inclusive and we need to have all voices represented in your community. So I would love to do a show where, where we could be real in radio and talk about race. Um, I think radio and gender, I think I think those are a couple of spaces that um, we had an opportunity to really embrace and, and do the right thing. So I would really want to make sure that we were embracing that. Um, I would want to use the latest and greatest in technology. There's so much good stuff going on in tech. And there are so many ways to reach your audience. It's obviously a brand is a brand. So radio would only be one distribution channel. But you have to build a bigger than life brand that people want to be a part of. And then you have to use all the different channels out there. And I would say to think of radio, I hear a lot of people talk about social media and, you know, radio needs to continue to use social media. And I, I think I have a completely different view on it. I think radio is a form of social media. It is. And I, and I think it's just one of many things that you, you have to embrace. And in each, uh, each social media uh, you need a slightly different approach, just like the audience for Carpool Karaoke with James Corden is a different audience than the Tonight Show audience. And a lot of times the YouTube audience is bigger than the TV audience, right? Indeed. Um, but yeah. they're not just taking the same one piece of content and trying to copy and paste across all the other platforms. They're creating unique content that super serves how people use that particular platform. Mm -hmm. And I think that would go a long way to help build brand passion for a show and then also for a station. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Excellent stuff. Gene and Julie Gates. Hey, somebody you'd like to hear from, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Just email us, 
show at brandwithondemand.com. Your suggested guests can join top talent, media thought leaders like the amazing Fred Jacobs, Carson and Kennedy from Mix 1041 in Boston, and over 150 others, all in previous episodes wherever you download this. And if you're finding our podcast useful, please help us. Give us a five-star rating and review because that is what helps other people discover Brand With On Demand. Coming up, the stuff we know now, we wish we'd known then. Brand With On Demand. Hi, it's Gary Berkowitz, AC Programming Consultant at Berkowitz Broadcast Consulting in Detroit. Hey, it's Molly Cruz, Brand Manager for WMYX and WXSS-FM here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi, this is Jake Neiman with 96.7 Cram. Hi, this is Dave Tyler from Music Master with even more raving fans. Did someone say Music Master raving fan? Ding, ding, that's me. Hey, it's Lee McNabb, Operations Manager for Saga Communications Des Moines Radio Group. Ready to join these raving fans? Visit MusicMaster.com today. They're always there and willing to help. They save me every time. I'm a major fan. Your station played out the 80s, never liked the 90s. Listen for weekends that your audience is going to love. Throwback 2K with me, Chris Cruz. Sneak preview of America's first tribute to the early 2000s now at throwback2k.com. Exploring media evolution in real time. Brandwith on demand. June and Julie, thinking about your career, going back, way back to the beginning, what do you know now that you really wish you knew way back on the first day in radio? We learned some really cool things from the different celebrities we interviewed over the years. And I wonder if we should share a couple pieces of advice that basically impacted our life based on A-listers that we talked to. Sure. One is Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks came to our studio at KBIL in Dallas, and we were blown away that here he was at this time, complete A-lister. He did not need to do radio. He didn't need to do television. Everybody knew him by name. Everyone would see any movie Tom Hanks made. But when Tom Hanks walked in our studio, he had done his homework. He'd gotten up early. He'd read the newspaper. He'd written a couple of jokes. He looked like he'd showered and shaved, had on nice clothing. He had great eye contact. He was super present. He was super in the minute, in the moment. And the great thing with Tom is all we had to do is sort of get the ball rolling and then get out of the way. And he put on the Tom Hanks show. And it was a great show. One of my favorite interviews, one of my favorite radio shows we ever did. And it really taught us about really great prep and really just being present and knowing your audience, wouldn't you say, Jules? Oh, totally. I mean, he knew exactly what was going on in the market. He knew the names of the local celebrities. He knew what our sports teams were doing. And he did this probably in every city he went to visit. Mm -hmm. Another celebrity that came by that really made us think about how to change how we did things was William Shatner. He taught us the ability to quickly pivot. So one morning, it's just a regular morning show. We're in Los Angeles, KZLA on Sunset Strip. And our security guy comes to the studio and he's like, hey, uh, William Shatner's at the gate. And we're like, William Shatner? And we're like, look at the producer. Like, do we have do we have an interview with William Shatner today? He's like, no, I have no idea why he's here. And we're like, and you're sure he's here to talk to us? He's like, yeah, yeah, he's out there. And this is like, it's pretty early. It's like 7 a.m., something like that. So we're like, you know, it's William Shatner. <laughs> so, of course, let him in, right? <laughs> so they open up the gate, and he dri he's driving himself. He comes, parks his car. Security guy walks him in. He, he walks into the control room. He's, 
there's William Shatner. He's got on sunglasses. It's just, it's William Shatner. And he's got a big bag of bagels. <laughs> so he sits down across from us at the, on the, on the, in the control room there. And we're just kind of, hey, what's, <laughs> why are you here? What's going on? And uh, apparently there was a fundraiser for an equestrian center. He's really big into horses. So he wanted to come in and talk about this fundraiser. So we're like, you know, hey, of course we're going to have him on, right? It's, it's a superstar, right? So he sits there during the entire interview and eats bagels. <laughs> wow. His mouth is full. He's a little mumbly. Uh, the bag is crinkly and noisy. Sure. He never offers anybody else there a bagel. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, he just sits there with his bag of bagels. And uh, it was just it was just a funny thing. Like, what the hell? What is happening right now? What is going on? Why is he here? What is, why did he bring a whole bag of bagels? And of course, not offer anybody any bagels. But it was just a funny, funny experience. Just a really quirky, weird dude. And the kind of thing that uh, probably only happens in L.A., right? right. Yeah, but it, it taught us the willingness to pivot, even if you have other plans, and to be really adaptable and flexible. So that's a lesson we will always remember from William Shatner. Um, and and it was not a very share. Funny show. not share. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really funny show. And then the third one I want to share is with Anthony Hopkins. He came to visit our studio. And his story surprised me. And his was basically, you think you're going down one path, let your pathway unfold organically and follow it where it takes you. So in his case, he wanted to be a musician, but the only way to get into the school he wanted to go into is to say that he wanted to be an actor. So he pretended that he wanted to learn theater so that he could get into the school so that he could become a musician. And he had no plan to be an actor. It was hilarious when he told this story. We're like, you wanted to be a composer and write classical music scores? <laughs> You're Anthony Hopkins. You're like the most amazing actor in the world. So that's another amazing story where you think about, you think you're going down a certain path with your life or your career, and sometimes something else unfolds, and it's okay, just roll with it. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Our thanks to Gene and Julie Gates. Boy, they are terrific. You can find links to the show notes for our sponsors and more. Just scroll down on your phone. Our thanks to executive producer Cindy Huber, also for booking associate producer Hannah B. And coming up next... Hey, it's Kelly and Wood from Wild Country 99 in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Join us for the next Brand With On Demand. Find out what makes us sick and how we've gotten to be somewhat successful in radio. That's a wrap, Tipper. You need a roadmap. No, really, a roadmap. We'll talk about it in one minute, Martin Eisen. Find it in the show notes at brandwithondemand.com. I'm Dave Martin. And I'm Kipper McGee. May all your Brand With be wide. <laughs>